On this episode of Writing Fright, we are joined by special guest David Sodegren. David is the author of six novels, including Maggie's Grave and Night Shoot. His first four novels are available on Kindle Unlimited, so if you guys have an account there, go and check those out, read those for free. And if you don't have an account, check out his stuff on Amazon. Stay tuned. We're going to be going over things like finding his pacing, self-editing, and co-authoring. We'll also get into a little discussion on pay-for-click advertising. Welcome back to the Writing Fright Podcast. I'm your host and fellow writer, Tanner Rutledge, and we are finally getting some other authors on here to talk about their experiences and just to share what, uh, what indie publishing has, uh, has done to, to get their works out and what their, their experience was. And I am um, so happy to be joined today by uh, one of my favorite authors, David Sodergren from, uh, from Scotland. He is the owner of Paperbacks and Pugs and is the author of six novels, including Nightshot and one of my absolute favorites, Maggie's Grave. Welcome to the show, David. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. That's uh, very kind of you to see. It's always great when, uh, when I'm running across books and when I'm shopping and I purchase a novel and I read it and I don't realize until the end that it was independently published. Um, indie publishing and self-publishing has gotten such a bad rap over the years that when it's done right, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. And I want to get more people looking at that and more people um, taking indie horror seriously, because I, I feel like that's where a lot of the good horror novels and a lot of the, the good stuff is coming from. So how, how long have you been writing? Uh, I've been writing like officially, uh, you know, I would class myself as an author for the last, well, it's actually three years this month my very first book came out so I've been writing you know probably about four years or so uh, just over that because uh, obviously it takes a year or so to write a book I had started writing as a child I've always been a, a huge reader of um, no I was gonna say books mostly horror books um, and as a kid you know age like eight nine or whatever I started writing little stories horror stuff you know sequels to my favorite horror films like I think I wrote a Child's Play 3 before Child's Play 3 had come out <laughs> I think um three pages long you know but yeah um I'd say about the three or four years I've been writing you know fully that's pretty cool when you uh when you got into it what uh what did it look like learning how to write and, and specifically learning how to put a novel together it was difficult um at first what I ended up doing was I wrote a complete novel and then put it away. Uh, that was basically a, a practice novel, if you like. A full, you know, I think it was about 55,000 words or so. And it was, it, it's actually all right. I'm looking to go back to it at some point and completely rewrite the entire thing and actually make it, you know, publishable. But it was really good to just get a, a full practice. And that gives you an idea of, um, you know, character pacing. Now, if, if I look back at it now, it just like, it hops from point of view uh, between characters in the space of like a paragraph. It's it doesn't work, but um, using that, I was able to to really focus uh, and write my first uh, official novel, uh, The Forgotten Island. That's actually in my uh, my queue to read. I hadn't done that one yet. I've read uh, your novels, Night Shoot, which uh, I love. Eighty Slashers. 
So that was uh, that was a really really fun read, and um, Maggie's Grave, which is a, a supernatural horror, and the the pacing in your novels is is really good. And you you mentioned pacing when you were talking about learning how to write yeah. it. How did you dial in that pacing? So the pacing for me is very important, um, and I think it comes from two things. One is uh, I actually I funnily enough with Night Shoot is based on my very well, let's say loosely based on my experiences at uh, film school where I studied and got a degree in being an editor. Now, obviously, editing film is very, very different in many respects from editing in a book and writing a book, but there's also loads and loads of things that, that really tie in because it gives you a real sense of how to pace something. I think, you know, a lot of people confuse, say, a slow pace with being bad paced, but actually, no, it's, it can be slow or fast. And whichever is right for the book um, is, you know, the right pace for it to take. Um, and the other sort of thing is that when I write, you know, I've, I've read so many books um, over the years uh, and you get a sense for what you, what, what parts you maybe you get a little bit bored by and what parts you maybe skip. Um, and so when I write, I try to cut out all the bits that I skip. You know, I can only really write what I know, what I want to read. Uh, so things like really long, long, long descriptions of uh, place, of what people are wearing, um, things like that, I tend to pare down to the the minimum. I, I basically, some people write, um, and I've lost my train of thought. Ah, oh no, you're good. Uh, <laughs> I, I get what so you're saying. Um, it's like Stephen King can make um, he can slow it down and he can put the description in to make a an ink pen that's not working actually sound interesting, but that's not yeah. that's not something that a lot of writers can do or should do. Um, Precisely, and, yeah. and preference is going to change there. Like what you were saying when you read through and you're you're learning like what you like in books and what you enjoy to read, so that you're writing something that's along the lines of what you enjoy to read. That's going to change between author to author reading preference to reading preference so you're going to be attracting different audiences now when you were going through that process specifically with that first book you had mentioned problems with pacing you had mentioned problems with pov how did you learn how to recognize those as let's kind of put it in quotations problems with the uh, the manuscript well one thing was i had an absolutely tremendous beta reader um in a, a chap called uh, bradley freeman who's a New Zealand author who's currently living in Japan. Um, now, I'd read his first book, which was, oh, his second book, sorry, his first horror book, which was called Reek. Hugely recommend that, by the way. 80s uh, gore horror meets that sort of 90s J-horror with a bit of found footage thrown in. Absolutely tremendous book. Huge recommend for that. Um, but I'd befriended him because I loved his book and also he had a pug. Um, <laughs> his book actually was one of the ones that made me believe that I could... Yeah, I, I, you know, I, like you said earlier, independent, you know, and self-publishing has such a bad rap in some cases. And this is one of the books that I read where I was like, oh, wait, actually, there's some really, really good stuff coming from really talented authors. Uh, so we got talking um, and I used him as my, my main beta reader for The Forgotten Island. And he came from the world of script writing. So he was invaluable at pointing out issues like uh, POV changes and stuff. With the pacing, that's very much always on me. I'm an absolutely ruthless editor. Uh, I edit myself, which um, is very much frowned upon, I believe. But uh, I think I can do it. 
Um, so oh. for Forgotten Island, for example, I actually ended up cutting out an entire subplot. It was about 70 pages of book, I think, um, which has just decided wasn't working. So you just have to you know, either fix it or chop it out. And I thought the book would have worked better with it chopped out. And I was definitely right because I then took that subplot and made it into another book called The Perfect Victim about four <laughs> years later. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Um, I've, I've always I've said a lot on my podcast that you need to have other eyes on your book and that editing your own work is not uh, is not necessarily a good idea. Nope. Um, but something here that uh, there's always an exception to the rule. Now, you have a background in film editing. You have a background in specifically editing stories, even though that it's not it's particularly editing literature, or editing novels. You know story flow and you know what works for, for an audience. Um, yep. I think that's something that probably played into it. I didn't know that you didn't have an editor. It uh, it did not show. I mean, it, it showed that you're good at editing. Yeah, I mean, my advice to anyone uh, who is writing is get an editor, <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, it's I do I, I I believe that I am ruthless and and cruel enough to my own work that I will not you know I'm not going to keep a line because I think oh that's a great line but it doesn't work. Um, it's I will, I will use beta readers a lot uh, absolutely because there's always going to be things that i miss and also things that you know when you get so deeply involved in writing a book there's there's things you take for granted that the reader is going to know that they're not so i i use um you know between six to eight beta readers for each book now uh, and from a variety of ages and genders and everything like that just to try and get as wider a feel as possible for it so definitely beta if you can't afford an editor rely on beta readers they're absolutely invaluable that's uh definitely something i would say yeah and a lot of people are scared to share their work and stuff without a contract if you want to do like a nda with your beta readers if you know them well uh and that's not gonna kind of weird them out beta readers are a great way to go i use them um i've got uh, about three or four beta readers that i use for uh, the short stories that i'm getting ready to submit and uh, the um the novel that i'm working on as soon as i finish this um uh, this revision of it, it's going out to the betas before it even goes to an editor. Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you can get the betas to catch, um, if you're using the editor, I would still use beta readers because they will catch, hopefully, the the, the glaring things, um, and then that will free your editor up to just focus on the real nitty gritty. Now, when uh, when you decided to uh, to publish your work and get serious about writing, what was it that uh, that pushed you toward indie as opposed to uh, traditional contracts? A number of reasons, I guess. Uh, first one being, I didn't really think, you know, I didn't even consider for a second, you know, trying to get trad published with, you know, the big five or anything, because I, I didn't think that my sort of books that I was writing were of any interest to them. I mean, you, you still see some stuff coming out from the big guys occasionally, you know, things like uh, Nick Cutter. Uh, you know, the, I don't know if you've read The Troop, like that was trad mm -hmm. published and it's a really excellent a book that is similarly gruesome and grim as my things but i you know it's it's a one in a trillion shot with that and i, I didn't really bother there's um a sort of indie presses and small presses and things but i was just very happy to go alone i've always liked working alone and i'm very willing to put in the work and make no mistake if you are self-publishing it's a tremendous amount of work once you've written the book that's the easy part you've then got to do your marketing and your cover and everything like that and uh, yeah that's where all your time really starts to go you have to sort of try and figure out a way to balance all of your social media time with your actual writing time so if you are happy to do the work 
then I think self-publishing can really be good. You get a far better um, royalty rate anyway. <laughs> that's the the other thing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's something that attracted me to it. When I was looking at uh, traditional publishing, the the big presses, you have The Truth That Came Out, you have Clown in a Cornfield by uh, Adam Caesar. Yeah. Adam Caesar. And those books, they squeak by every once in a while. But for the most part, horror and like hardcore horror, extreme horror, or just this genre in general doesn't get through the big five. The small presses and indie presses, Crystal Lake, uh, places like Raw Dog, they put out uh, fantastic books. But if you have a background in, like I have a background in sales, I have a background in business coming into writing, you've got a background in doing editing and doing some of that back-end process. If you've got the uh, if you got the knack for it, uh, if you've got the experience in it and you think you can take your book to, uh, to about the same level that, a, that at least a small press would take it to, yeah, that that royalty rate, that sixty or seventy percent of uh, of sales is 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 tremendous. Oh, absolutely! It's very much <laughs> very much worth it. Um, yeah, it's way better than the four percent that you get from from a lot of contracts. Yeah, although I guess you know, hopefully, I mean, they can get your books into the supermarkets and general stores and stuff. So it's, but the yeah. the chances of you getting there are so slim. And you know what? If, if that's what you want to do, some people want some people see it's only valid if it's traditionally published um and, and all that's absolutely fine if that's what you want then go for it absolutely mm-hmm. go for it um just don't be too disheartened <laughs> if uh, many years later you're still hawking that manuscript about yeah and even doing short stories and stuff i mean you're you're going to collect i've talked to to authors and they've kind of helped me set the goal for um for my shorter works um you know you, you collect 100 rejection letters a year and you sell two or three stories even if you're good Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have so, you, have you, you published anything yet? No, you've not fiction. Um, so, I'm I'm published nonfiction in trade journals, um, fitness magazines, and stuff. But my fiction, I haven't sold anything yet. That's exciting, though. Just starting <laughs> out there. Yeah, yeah. That's a one of the reasons I started the podcast was to uh, <laughs> to talk to other authors and learn as much as I could. But I have the questions that uh, that new authors coming in have. Um, so I thought it would be a, a great opportunity to uh, to help people starting out that are that are in my shoes to to get answers as to to how to get a good product out if you are doing indie publishing. It's perfect. I wish this podcast had existed uh, three or four years ago when I was starting <laughs> out because it is so difficult to find the information that you're looking for, particularly even with simple things like actually just navigating KDP, uh, which is the Kindle Direct Publishing, the way you would self-publish through Amazon. There's lots of guides all over the place, but some of them are hopelessly out of date because they, they used to have Amazon. They, they had, oh, what was it, Create Space, I think they used, and then they changed <laughs> it to KDP. And so the guides are all all over the place and it constantly changes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's very difficult to find out information um, without asking people, and especially if you're just starting out and you don't maybe know that many authors. Uh, it's Yeah, this sounds like it's going to be a very very valuable resource this uh, podcast <laughs> i appreciate that uh, fingers crossed yeah looking at uh, looking at the actual distribution and getting books out writing it you're is is incredibly difficult and going through and learning how to write that first novel um i think a lot of us go through that same process and i'm pretty sure that i'm getting close to finishing my first uh, what i was going to publish but i'm fairly certain it's going to end up being a trunk novel because it is that first one that you learn how to write on but um Getting past that and into uh, specifically distribution and working with KDP and, and putting out a formatting properly and putting out a book, you can you can either take the time to learn how to do it 
or you can pay you know three to eight hundred dollars depending on how much um, how much type you have for uh, for a formatter to uh, to do it for you. And if you have the money and resources, that's great. But most of us don't. Yeah. So getting this knowledge is is incredibly important. Now, when um, when you were starting out, you uh, you had mentioned finding finding someone who was a, a great beta reader and finding someone and reaching out that was a was a mentor. Did you join any uh, any associations like the Horror Writers Association? Uh, no, I've never joined that. Um, I've I've not really. I get invited to writing groups and things, but um, uh, <laughs> I don't like getting notifications on my uh, phone. To be <laughs> honest, so I, I tend to not bother with anything like that. Um, I've looked into the Horror Writers Association. Um, I'm I'm yet to see what it's going to do for me here in Scotland. That is going to justify uh, the the yearly. Um, uh, fee. I'm sure it's great. I don't want to slag the HWA because maybe <laughs> I want to get a stoker one time. Um, so it's probably fantastic. Uh, it's not been something I have uh, sought out though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, it's there's a there's a sort of uh, thing with it maybe where it's like, oh, people feel legitimized if they sell enough copies to join the, the HWA or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And again, that's absolutely fine if that's that's what you want. That's great. Um. It's maybe more useful in America. I don't know. Uh, I'm, just, I'm gonna stop talking about it now. <laughs> no, you're good. I, uh, I I joined as a as a supporting member, and uh, it's it's been a great place uh, for new authors, uh, specifically here in the states. Um, if you uh, if you are looking for a mentor, you want people to uh, to to look over your work. Um, they have lists of uh, of editors who are vetted that have worked on bestsellers that have experience editing horror works. Oh, excellent. That, that one's one of the biggest resources for joining because it's behind the pay curtain. Uh, and then there's a forum to, uh, to meet up with other writers and to, uh, to have people that have published and have people that, um, that work at some of the presses go over your stuff before you start trying to submit. Um, so that resource in and of itself was, uh, was one of the big reasons that I joined. And uh, oh, one that I, so yeah. Um, I'll take it back every time. <laughs> <laughs> But it depends on where you are. I mean, you're you're six novels in. You know what you're doing, and you've put well, out. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, every book a good is story. a learning experience. Uh, <laughs> every time you start a new book, you feel like you're writing your first book again. You're like, oh my god, how do I plot this again? Oh, I've got to think up all these bloody characters. What? <laughs> I'm doing um, the uh, the story a week challenge. So uh, 52 weeks, 52 short stories in first draft. That's been wow. that's been fun. That's crazy. See, I have this <laughs> terrible problem where I really, really struggle to write short stories. My brain just seems to work at sort of no- novella to novel length, shall we say, um, mm-hmm. to the point I've turned, I've been invited to a few um, uh, anthologies over the years. And I've always turned it down because I just didn't think I could do it. And then I finally, this year, I was like, you know what, I need to challenge myself. I need to try. So I've joined an uh, anthology coming out from uh, Keith Anthony Baird and Ross Jeffrey. Um, so I've written my very, very, very first short story. Uh, oh, and that's I really awesome. struggled to get it into 5,000 words, but <laughs> it's there. <laughs> <laughs> my stuff, I'm either, uh, I'm either right at like 70 to 90,000 or four to 5,000. Uh, I think those yeah. are just the two places that I, that I seem to operate at. See, mine just seem to always come in at 50. <laughs> it's, like, it's, just, it's so bizarre. I think, uh, yeah. No matter what, I think, well, this is going to be a longer one, shorter one. It always just turns out about 50. It's mad. Well, fine, you know. 
you, it's you, you get it down there. Because it's about you got about 200 pages, and I, I love a wee 200 to 250 page book. I'm finding I'm reading a lot slower these days. I've got a lot less time to read. So when I am picking a book to read, if I've got a 600 page doorstopper and I've got a 200 pager, I'm almost certainly going to pick the 200 one to read because otherwise I'll be reading it for six months. So yeah, I'm about the same way, especially with horror. I, I think that uh, that 200 to 250 pages or even novella length seems to seems to work best for for horror stories. Keep your heart rate up, keep your pace moving. Yeah, fast. and that's the one of the great things we're saying about um, indie and the small presses things like Grindhouse Press and stuff and uh, Off Limits and things, they're putting out a lot of novella-length stories, which you don't tend to get really from the, the trad press. And let's face it, novella length is one of the perfect lengths for horror stories because you've mm-hmm. got just enough uh, room to let the characters breathe, to give them some actual, to give them an arc, but also not so long that you're going to start to lose the reader. You can keep the scares short and sharp and intense. I love a novella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a great and you can sit down in a day and read it you have like a stormy or rainy day you're not going outside you're you're off from work just sit in the living room and, and pop a novella out and read it in one setting yeah and from a sort of psychological point of view for thinking about the reader if a reader sits down picks up your book and reads it in one go in one day or something they're immediately going to think oh like that I, I finished that in a day you know it's unusual there's a sort of psychological effect where it's like oh i i must have really enjoyed that because i read it so quickly um because <laughs> you don't read a book that you're not enjoying really fast you're sort of slogging through it turning the pages god is this still going so there is a sort of weird psychological effect as well that having a short book can have i think based oh, yeah. on nothing scientific <laughs> just <laughs> what i think so everything from book link to um to to the the type of stories that you write, you've you've really you've really dialed your style in, and you've uh, I've noticed that uh, you've started working with other authors on uh, um oh man was it co-authoring a work you have uh, that's right Navajo- yeah yeah the Navajo Nightmare which I co-wrote with uh, a very very talented Canadian author and very good friend uh, Steve Stred. What uh, what was that like co-authoring? Well, we'd spoken about it two years prior when Night Shoot came out. You like if you actually look in the in the back of your copy of Night Shoot, you'll see that we teased coming soon the Navajo Nightmare because uh, we'd spoken about it that long ago. Because we both love westerns and we loved horror, um, <clears throat> and then two years later it finally came out because I very much moved to my own pace. So I <laughs> so when I suddenly came up with the idea during lockdown, with the idea of doing the book um, during lockdown. Uh, and Steve sort of was ready for me. Uh, so our original thought was to co-write a book as and sort of try and write it as one voice. But then we decided that I would write a novella and then he would write a novella. And mine was the, the sort of prologue. His was the epilogue, uh, epilogue if you like two parts, the same story, but in, by two different authors. And we went with that instead because we uh, we are similar writers, but also uh, we have quite different voices, I think. And it was just, it wasn't quite going to work. So I think the way we did it worked out much, much better. Also, we were going to have them, uh, the two parts sort of intermingled. So a chapter of mine, chapter of his, chapter of mine. But that, when we tried it, just didn't work because we'd both written a classic three-act structure so it was like beginning, beginning, middle, middle, end, end. And it just, it was a mess. So, uh, yeah, we went with uh, this way instead. And it was uh, fantastic. It was great. It's great to work with Steve. Um, he's he's fantastic as well. Check out Steve Stred's books, everyone. 
yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so i <laughs> oh go ahead no yeah yeah drop it in uh, another thing about uh indie and being self-published indie published shameless promotion is not a sin absolutely <laughs> not yeah i see people uh apologetically saying oh i've got a new book i don't want to post about it too much you know and say you have to you're the only you know i can't afford well i I say i can't afford amazon advertising i tried it once five dollars i put in and got absolutely zero back for it because it's like a bidding thing the amazon advertising Mm -hmm. basically if you're interested in doing that you there's books to read on it there's courses you can take about how to use amazon adverts it's impossible it's completely impenetrable nonsense uh, so if that's something you're interested in good luck uh, yeah, and that's... the rest of us i rely entirely on word of mouth so people uh reading it uh, people reviewing it on things like goodreads and amazon and um, but most importantly for me is uh social media so people sharing my book on uh, places like instagram especially and also a bit of Twitter, and now coming up is TikTok is the new one. So it's get, getting your books seen. And the key to that, really, I guess, uh, is to just have a really good cover that people uh, want to take a photo of, <laughs> you know? Can't emphasize that enough for new authors uh, is if you can't afford an editor, if you can't afford formatting, if you can't, the one thing, you can get through it all, but the one thing you need to spend that money on is a good cover that is so important yeah copy and advertising a lot of that comes down to the art the visual presentation especially with uh books of instagram or bookstagram uh the hashtag that runs on instagram i think that's actually how i found uh, your first book that i read i was gonna uh, ask actually yeah it's always interesting to see how people did find it generally the answer is i saw on instagram <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's that's where i find a lot of books um especially indie authors, because they're not talked about on podcasts and you don't get the car, uh, coverage that you do when you when you publish with Crystal Lake or or one of the bigger ones like Harper Collins is doing some um, some horror. Um, mm. Tor Nightfire is uh, is doing oh, horror now. Yeah, that's a, a new a big one that uh, that popped up last year. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're going to be a, a major player. But uh, Instagram is definitely the way to go. Uh, pay for pay for click and pay for play. I have done that not on Amazon, but on other businesses that I've run to get an idea of how to make that work. It's very similar to doing like high level paid um, social media advertising. And then Google AdWords, I think, runs a somewhat similar algorithm. And I spent um, it took about four thousand dollars of testing to dial that in. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, you uh if you got the budget for it go for it uh if you don't hashtags are free yeah Yeah. exactly i I think that that piece of information right there is going to (laughs) help help so many authors uh when it when it comes to actually selling their books once they get it out yeah i mean sometimes i'm I'm pretty lucky and i started out using instagram just as a as a bookstagrammer if you like so i've got this beautiful pug um and I've got a huge collection of vintage horror. So I just started putting up pictures of classic horror books next to this lovely pug. Um, and people really connected with that, enjoyed it. And I started doing that around the same time as other people, uh, like uh, Sadie Hartman, who is now uh, like Mother Horror. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. you know Sadie. Um, and people like uh, Jobis89, Joanne. We sort of were sort of friendly. Um, and then they both became book reviewers with thousands and thousands and thousands of followers and they enjoyed my books so um, I was lucky that I was able to get them in their hands to expose them to their followers and that was tremendously 
uh, helpful. <laughs> yeah, having, so, having a, a lot of success does just come down to luck. Who you know, were you there with the right person at the right time? I hate to say it because you want it to be all talent and hard work is what earns success, and that's definitely a part of it. But also, there's an enormous bit of luck involved. I think a lot of what plays into that luck with what you've described so far, reaching out to people and, and making those connections to get your books there. Um, I think a lot of luck is putting yourself in a position to be lucky by, by getting out of your shell and talking to people. Absolutely. It, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a much better way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd said that. <laughs> get, get, get around, get around people. And that's, uh, I think that's something that a lot of writers struggle with because, you know, you sit by yourself and you write a book or you go to a coffee shop and you write a book or, you do whatever your process is, but you do it alone. So when it comes to reaching out and getting, getting to know people, getting to know other writers, getting to know people on Instagram or through social media, through podcasts and using um, the technology and the internet that we have today to, uh, to grow your business, which I know it's art and, uh, and, and we're writers, but it is a business and you, you can't do it alone. Yeah, I completely agree with, <laughs> completely agree with that. <laughs> This has been a lot of a lot of great information. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to to come and talk to us. How can people find your books, and where are you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm most active on Twitter at um, paperbacks and pugs. So paperbacks, then the letter A, and then pugs. Uh, or on Instagram, if you want to see pictures of the dog a bit more, that's at paperbacks and pugs. The full word and. Uh, my books are currently all available on Amazon. Two of them are still available on Kobo. Uh, so that's Navajo Nightmare and The Perfect Victim. By just last week, put my first four books into Kindle Unlimited uh, as an experiment. So they are exclusive to Amazon at the moment. Uh, so if you don't like using Amazon, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, yep, Capricorn Island, Night Shoot, Dead Girl Blues, Maggie's Grave, Navajo Nightmare, and Perfect Victim, all available on Amazon. Guys, go check those books out. Uh, I'm going to have links in the show notes uh, to where you can go uh, on Amazon or his Amazon Instagram and uh, and website so that you can check out these works. Absolutely read Night Shot and Maggie's Grave. They are fantastic, and I am uh, looking forward to sitting down and uh, reading uh, Navajo Nightmare soon. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Writing Fright. Again, I want to thank David for coming on the show. If you haven't already, check out his stuff on Kindle Unlimited. He's got his first four novels up there. Hit Amazon, check out Paperback and Pugs, and, and get an idea of what, uh, what really, really good indie horror looks like. In two weeks, our next episode will drop. We're going to be having a conversation with award-winning independent author A.J. Lewis. A.J. is the, uh, the author of The Muse and several other novels. He's won... I think 35 independent publishing awards, 14 of those went to the muse. And uh, we're going to have him sitting down talking about writing horror, his experience as an indie author and getting into the business side, how to set up your business, how to put out a professional product and build a team that can help you put out a book that looks like it belongs on the shelf with the, the, the bigger name publishing companies. If you haven't already, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Writing Fright. We're going to have some book reviews coming up on uh, Instagram and a couple of different things highlighting indie authors and indie horror works. So if you are looking to support other indie writers, if you're into horror that's a little outside of the mainstream with great storytelling and uh, professional 
looking manuscripts and professionally written pieces, check that out. Uh, we're going to try to get a new book review up on there every week. All right, so I will uh, talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening and keep writing. Thank you.